Should Bo Nix return to Oregon football? Depends on who you ask. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. We are over 1,700 on the YouTube channel, hundreds more on podcasts, and I am so appreciative to all of you and to sling tv who sponsored today's show find all the action you want to see in college football right here on sling tv sling the tv you love for a price you'll love go check them out today to catch up on all of the bowl season that is coming but let's get to this quarterback situation for oregon and it's um, a complicated one a murky one an uncertain one right now as i record this episode it feels like Bo Nix is coming back because he hasn't yet announced and we're just over two weeks away from the bowl game. And it looks like Bo Nix is going to play. I am not totally sold on that front. Doesn't mean he won't come back. I would love for him to come back. But I think the question that Bo Nix is asking himself is, what do his pro prospects look like at this point in time? Now, a month ago, this felt like an easy decision. Yeah, Bo Nix's draft stock has never been higher. He's having his best statistical season. He just needed a new environment where he has, what is it, like actual support around him and a competent coaching staff, not one that is soon to be fired, as he had not once but twice at Auburn. It felt like he was destined to go to the NFL. I still think that, but it appears less likely today than it did a month ago, and that is good news for Oregon. But the question that Bo has to answer is not one that I can even specifically answer or Bo can specifically answer. Because he knows in his mind what he wants to do, and he's going to have a media availability session later this week. I'll be very interested to see what he has to say. He knows what he wants to do, and he seems like a guy who wants to get a chance somewhere, somehow in the NFL. Now, if you've watched him play over his college career and you don't think he's an NFL guy, I would just like to remind you that although Justin Herbert was playing over the weekend, I'm going to close the show today with a couple of thoughts on him and Kayvon Thibodeau. Anthony Brown was also in victory formation for the Baltimore Ravens. So the idea that Bo Nix is not capable of finagling his way onto a roster, it might be for a third-string quarterback position. But guess what? Some teams are the Houston Texans. Some teams are the Carolina Panthers and have played a lot of quarterbacks this year. And as long as Bo's injury isn't something that's going to continue to linger and affect his draft stock or how you know, realistic it is that a team could take him without having a concern about it, and there isn't any indication that that's the case, then it's reasonable to look at his career, how it's played out, who he is, what he's done, and say, yeah, I could see him getting onto an NFL roster. He's got the arm. He's got the mobility. He is six foot two. He is experienced. 
Got a lot of things going for him. Has he run NFL concepts? No. But neither did Anthony Brown. And I think Brown is a little bit quicker, but straight line speed when fully healthy, it's comparable at least, if not advantage bow. Downfield passing, bow. Arm strength, bow. Ability to operate an offense and get the ball where it needs to go. I'm going to again go with bow. Now, Anthony Brown found a very specific team that suits his skill set in the Baltimore Ravens, and he was a third-string quarterback there. But if you're Bo Nix, you look at the guys around the league and say, I could be better than some of the players who are a third-string quarterback right now, and you never know when an opportunity is going to arise. You really don't. You have to find the right coaching staff. You have to find the right situation that allows you to maximize your full potential. And that's clearly something that he wants to do. I don't think he's ever made any bones about that. So it's clearly got to be a decision that is on his mind. However, however, the question that I asked at the beginning of this show is, should Bo Nix come back? And I will again go back to that depends on who you ask. I think you can make a reasonable argument for Bo going to the NFL and capitalizing on the draft stock equity he's built up this year with the Ducks. I think you can also make a very compelling case that if he were to come back to Oregon and play like this again, it would be even higher. Because one good season does a lot for you when you had three average to below average ones. But two great seasons... In a new environment. That could do wonders for your draft stock. So if I'm looking at it from the perspective of what's going to allow him to be the highest possible draft pick, the answer is come back. But we have seen players less prepared for the NFL, less ready to translate their games there, very recently for Oregon football, make the decision to go to the league, And it doesn't work out the way they were perhaps hoping it would. But still those guys made that decision. And there are a couple factors in play. Money's a part of it, though NIL could potentially be something that convinces Bo to stay. Because before, that was a pretty strong incentive for guys to try their hand at the league. Well, you know, at least I'll be getting paid something if I'm on a practice squad. Or if I'm, you know, third or fourth on the depth chart at whatever position, wide receiver, nickel, defensive end, whatever. But now there's at least some money that Bo is getting, and he's a quarterback, which is the highest paid position in the NIL marketplace for the most part. And I could, you know, without actually having any data to support it, feel pretty confident about the fact that Bo Nix, in terms of athletes who are getting the most NIL money, He's probably right near the top of the list for the University of Oregon athletes. Does he feel like he wants to go to the NFL and try to make more? Potentially. But another draw for him to go to the NFL is that he doesn't have to go to school and he can just focus on football. And no, these kids are, for the most part, not taking biochemistry mechanical engineering, calculus, like guys who are football oriented, yeah, they're probably taking easier classes, but they're still taking classes. 
That's a question that's going to be presented to Jamal Hill and Steve Stevens as well, who I talked about on yesterday's show. Do you want to go through another year of college football? Or do you want to begin your professional career, whether that's on or off the field? It's a legitimate question. It'd be Bo Nix's fifth year of college football, which is nothing compared to Cam McCormick. That's weak sauce. Weak tea compared to our favorite tight end. Gosh, that guy. And more, uh, the transfer portal giveth and taketh, by the way. But there are a number of factors for Bo Nix to consider. If he wants to be the highest possible draft pick, you would want to come back and not just play as you did this year, but also have it end differently, right? Think about March Madness. Tyler Dorsey would have been better suited to come back for another year with Oregon basketball, but he had the nickname Mr. March and Oregon went to the final four. His draft stock wasn't going to get any higher. And Oregon did not have that sort of finish to the year, as we all know, here in 2022. If they did in 2023, if he came back and they won a conference championship, you're darn right, that would make him more appealing in the eyes of a lot of scouts. Almost as appealing as Omaha Steaks, which, by the way, are tender, delicious, fantastic, and everything you want. And this is just insane. Omaha Steaks has cut prices 50%. 5-0 site-wide to make you the gift-giving hero you always wanted to be. They've put together a delicious selection of various gift packages to make shopping for the ones you love nice and easy. Go to omahasteaks.com and take uh, take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use code LOCKEDON at checkout to get an additional $40 off your order. That's locked on at checkout when you visit omahasteaks.com to get that extra $40 off your order. Minimum order may be required. I got to keep you on your toes with those live reads, guys, because you're, a lot of you been listening to me for a while now. I can't be predictable. That's boring. That's lame. I don't want to be boring, lame, predictable. It doesn't make me a good podcast host. That would be a dereliction of duty to you, my many, many loyal listeners who I'm very grateful for. So um, the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh. Let's begin with the giveth and then we'll get no i gotta get it out of the way first i'm a bad news first and then end with the good news you know i'd rather play like crap on the front nine and play well on the back than do what i did the other day which is play a dynamite front nine and then just kind of implode on the back so the bad news is maliki is in the portal i do not like that I do not like that because I like Maliki Matavau, and he did a lot of good things, many of which did not show up on the stat sheet this year, except for in Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington's yards per carry. Now, my initial concern was a little bit greater for this because I was operating under the impression, that was incorrect by the way, that Cam McCormick was out of eligibility, but according to his mom, on Twitter, circa December, I think it was 5th she sent the tweet, so about a week ago, he could have, wait for it, two more years of eligibility. This was his seventh year in Eugene. He can't possibly still be taking classes. Or if he is, he's doing even less than whatever Bo is doing. Because... What are you still studying at that point? Like, is he going to law school? I don't know. I legitimately don't know. His mom follows Locked on Ducks on Twitter. 
Mrs. McCormick, if you're listening out there, I would love to know this insight because, first of all, I respect the hell out of that guy so much. I mean, so much. And I think we all do. Not just because he saved the game at Utah, never forget that, but because he's been through so much and so many guys would have called it a career and just said, I was never able to stay healthy, gotten his degree, and moved on. He has not done that. He is so all in on Oregon football. That is an Oregon man through and through. So that's the upside. But Matavau was a big part of that room this year. He had that touchdown run on the tight end sweep against Arizona. He caught some passes this year. Not a lot, clearly, to keep him around. And I think he should be a highly sought-after transfer because, I mean, that's a number one capable tight end. I think the problem he ultimately ran into here is he's behind Tferg, who, if you've been with me for a while, you know I'm a big fan. I, I think that's an NFL-caliber guy right there. And if he had gotten hurt, then I think Matavau could have stepped in and showed a little bit of star potential because – we saw his hands in the Ohio State game last year, caught that big touchdown to to put us up 14, and then we ended up winning by seven. Like, that ended up being the game-deciding touchdown, and he just did so many things well. He had good hands. I thought his pass-catching and route-running this year improved dramatically from a year ago. I, I thought he had a rough spring game. So did all the tight ends, frankly. Um, at least from, from what I remember, but they were sensational all season long when it really counted. And Matavau had a lot of really good moments. And the two tight end set of Maliki Matavau and Terrence Ferguson, or pair any of the two of the four guys that we saw this year, McCormick and Herbert, of course, being the others, they were really good in, in more ways than one. And I, I, I was completely blindsided by this announcement I guess I understood it. Tight ends don't typically have a high volume of catches, so I didn't know if that'd be a drawback for him. But th there are a lot of talented bodies in that room, as we know, and Kenyon Sadiq, the freshman uh, in the class of 2023, coming in as well. So maybe he just looked around and said, eh, it's the writing on the wall that he's just not going to be able to maximize his touches, which is probably true because I, I really do think that is a number one capable tight end. He can be your go-to guy. His hands looked really good this year. He's such a good blocker. I've watched a lot of his plays very closely. He is a high-level blocker. He showed that all season long, and we're going to miss that tremendously. Now, with the addition of Treshawn Holden, I think the Thornton loss is no longer the most consequential loss to date. I, I think Maliki Madavau is. When you look at the production that he provided for the offense this year and how big he was in, in what Oregon wanted to do offensively, which was, you know, run the football to set up play action. He's big in those play action protections. He's big in the running game. The number of times he could just collapse a defensive end down to create a cutback lane for Bucky Irving, that pairing was really good all year. And I am bummed. I mean, I, I'm not panicked, but I am bummed that Maliki Matavau is no longer an Oregon Duck. Um, Sean Dollars, by the way, goes to Nevada. Not the first. I could see a number of guys going to Nevada. Matavau should seek out a higher caliber school. You know, I, I thought Dollars could have, you know, made it onto a, a roster at another Pac-12 school, frankly. I think Washington State would have taken him. I think Arizona would have taken him. I think there were a number of good fits for him. But 
Montevallo, I would look at I, I would look at Power Five schools and say, this is what I can do, because he can do a lot for you. So definitely bummed about that. That is what the transfer portal hath taketh on this day. But it hath giveth. Okay, I'll stop. Uh, <laughs> a wide receiver in Treshawn Holden. 6'3", 195 pounds. Uh, he's a former four-star recruit. Spent two years at Bama. He'll have two years of eligibility left. Uh, he didn't really play, I think, in the 2020 season. And, you know, in his career, 46 receptions, 570 yards, seven touchdowns. Six of them came this year. And he averaged 12 and a half yards per catch. So... It's someone who I think had a little bit of untapped potential at Alabama, and he should have the opportunity to maximize it with Oregon because he comes into a wide receiver room that is now missing Dante Thornton. I think he replaces that immediately, and you know Chase Cota is the guy that Thornton uh, kind of filled in for when when he went down with an injury. This is a plug-and-play guy. And, and just a general note on the transfers that Oregon is bringing in, there are going to be very few transfer portal additions that are not starters or regular contributors next year. Think about all of the guys that this staff brought in in their first year. Sam Taimani played a lot. Jordan Riley played a lot. Casey Rogers played a lot. The two running backs, Irving and Whittington, our top two guys. Gonzo, our number one corner. Bo Nix, our starting quarterback. Quarterback. That's the sort of player that you're looking for in a transfer portal. It's great he's got multiple years of eligibility. I think a foursome of wide receivers of Treshawn Holden, Troy Franklin, Chris Hudson, Jerion Dickey, put that up against any group of wide receivers in the Pac-12. Even though Dickey's unproven, I think that guy is a home run prospect. we got to keep him committed for sure. But if you put those four guys out there, that's a really, really lethal group. I mean, really lethal. And then you have Tiford, McCormick, and Patrick Herbert at tight end. Set on skill positions. Like, I'm I'm good with it right there. You got Kyler Casper waiting in the wings. Maybe he pops in year two. You got a couple of solid slot guys in Isaiah Bravard and, and Josh Delgado who have seen, you know, sparse playing time. But in what they've shown, particularly Delgado, you put him out there and say, hey, competent. He's going to go out there, be solid, do what he needs to do. Pretty sure Delgado was our punt returner at one point in time, several points in time this year. So I feel good about this transfer edition. Anytime you get someone from the SEC who it feels like didn't maximize his full potential and now is coming to the Pac-12. Hmm, remind you of anybody? Like the guy I led the show with, Bo Nix? Yeah. yeah. See what I did there? Yeah, I know. I'm not that clever. But I like to think I am, and I tell myself that I am, so that I have an outsized confidence that I really don't deserve. But that's how you got this show. So you just got to put up and deal, and deal with my uh, obnoxious behavior and whatnot. So I, I I like what he brings to the table. There, there's one thing in particular that, that I like about him, and it is not built bars, but I really like those too. So let's pause the pod for a second. Not literally, but metaphorically, of course. So I accidentally muted my mic there for, for a moment. I kind of, anyway, I don't want to mute talking about built bars because they're delicious and they've got a bunch of great flavors that you need to try cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. I mean, they've got everything. They've even got a holiday flavor, white chocolate, peppermint granola. 
Tell me, which of those words doesn't sound, I don't know, fantastic? White, chocolate, excellent, by the way. Peppermint, mmm, granola. What else do I need to sell you on here? Just sink your teeth into that first bite. It'll change your life forever. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. That's 15% off with the promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. The thing I like about Treshawn Holden is his size. Now, Thornton had great size as well, six foot five. But remember what we were saying before the year about him and Franklin? Unleash the skinnies. Yet that is not Treshawn Holden. This is a body type at wide receiver that Oregon, frankly, just hasn't had. I think the biggest comparison would be Juwan Johnson, who is now playing tight end in the NFL. When you look at Holden, he is built. I mean, he is there's no there's no twigs for arms here. Okay. That's what I have. Okay. See this? There's no muscle mass here. He is not like that. He looks like someone who's been conditioning under an SEC coaching staff, who's playing in a conference that says, you're probably going up against an NFL corner. You better be able to break some tackles. He does a lot of things well when you watch his tape. Very good at the top of routes, good hands, and he's great after the catch. And I I think he's different from Dante Thornton in that sense where he operates a little bit more comfortably in the 15 to 20 yard range or in the five to 10 yard range, whereas Thornton was, you know, basically a big play receiver, a really good one as we saw, but I think this has the potential to be a little bit of an upgrade, just in the sense that he is a more versatile wide receiver, but we haven't seen him be as prolific getting on top of defensive backs the way Thornton was this year and the way I was excited about the potential of him continuing to do in years to come. So I think that's the biggest question mark there. But I also look at the offensive weapons that Oregon's got and say, well, wait a minute, Chris Hudson had a couple deep shots this year. And yeah, Thornton was really good at that too. But Troy Franklin was our most consistent deep threat all year long, and we'll see how Jurion Dickey plays out. And what about Ashton Cozart? Is he going to play as a true freshman? We don't know. So I like what this does. I, it was a position group that I talked about on yesterday's show as being one of need. I still think pass rusher is at the top and safety is second, but I had wide receiver third because you were losing Dante Thornton and Look, I would still take Dorian Singer. Probably makes it less likely we pick up him or especially less likely we we pick up Dejon Stribling from Washington State, who's a very similar body type to to Dante Thornton. Um, But this is a guy who who was an ESPN 300 recruit in the 2020 cycle, the same way Dante Thornton was in the 2021 cycle. So he's someone who the scouting community has looked at and said, yeah, he has a lot of potential, wasn't able to maximize it at Alabama because he was playing behind a bunch of really, really good receivers. And now he should have an opportunity to come in and start right away. And that's what most of these portal additions, I think, are going to be. Jacobs, the linebacker from Iowa I talked about on yesterday's show, yeah, he's probably going to be one of Oregon's starting linebackers next year. And this is, again, going to be in Treshawn Holden, another starter that the Ducks are, are bringing in via the portal. And I like it. 
I, I, I do. I, I think one area that you want to be looking at is guys who had a lot of promise coming out of high school, but were not able to fully maximize it at another power five school. And I think you have that in Jacobs and I think you have that in Holden. And, and that can be oftentimes the most valuable transfers. Look at Bo Nix. Look at Bo Nix. A lot of potential coming out of high school. Didn't maximize it at Auburn. Got a lot closer to it at Oregon. That's, I, I think that's a pretty consistent formula for what you're looking for in the portal. Not just Oregon, but but other teams as well. So I think this is a good addition. Won't be surprised if they add another receiver. But I, I think Treshawn Holden, that's a good guy to get. Let's close the day talking about a couple of products. First of all. Justin Herbert is so wonderful and so great and the same guy he was when he was at Oregon. He's quiet, he's humble, shows up, works hard, goes to work, makes a lot of big plays. He's just a joy to watch. And he is really, really good. I mean, really, really good. <laughs> that was a clinical performance. I will never not get excited to hear Chris freaking Collinsworth just giddy all night about what Justin Herbert is doing right in front of him on Sunday Night Football. And you know what the best part about Justin Herbert is? He's not just an Oregon duck. He's a lifelong Oregon duck. He grew up in Sheldon. I don't know if that was specifically his hometown, but he went to Sheldon High School. He is an Oregon guy through and through. He is ours, and we should celebrate him from now until the end of time. And I'm sure if you're going to bring up Herbert as I am right now, a lot of you will bring up, bring up Emmanuel Acho. I don't watch him. I heard the take. I thought it was ridiculous. Herbert proved him wrong, and he owned up to it. End of story. Acho is a classic Big media personnel. It's why I can't watch most of those shows. I <laughs> I really can't. ESPN, Fox, like I can I can listen to Colin Coward. I really like Coward because he's different than all the other ones. But those debate shows, they're just trying to rile people up. And Matt Prame had an interesting take that I think is correct on the one hand, which is that well, Emmanuel Acho's the winner tonight because we're all talking about him and, and whatnot. Yes, on the one hand, but on the other hand. If those sort of takes are going to go out there and not everyone recognizes that big media personalities like that will just say stuff to get clicks and attention, then they might actually start to believe it. And we've got to be out there to defend our own. And Herbert is our own through and through. And I'll defend him from now until the end of time because he's awesome. And I hope the Chargers can stop being the Chargers for a change because he's doing everything he can. Uh, also... If you go way back, I mean, if you've been with me for a long, long time, first of all, thank you so much for doing that. Second of all, um, I mentioned that I was going to become wildly obnoxious if and when Kayvon Thibodeau proved all the doubters wrong. This is a G-rated show, so I'll just say to all the people out there, anyone listening or watching who was saying, Kayvon Thibodeau is not going to do this. He's not going to do that. He's not worthy of this pick or that pick or yada, 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 yada. And I said what we all knew to be true. There was a tangible difference for every single snap that he was on the field versus off the field. Anytime he was off, 
felt like Oregon's defense had no chance. And guess what? You took him out of Oregon's defense this year, and they didn't come up with a lot of big-time games, except for Utah. Interesting how that works. Almost like you should listen more to the people who watch him all the time. I'm just saying. All right, that's enough snark for the day. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.